Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. The link between sex, creativity, and the sense of aliveness is strong. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution? Or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on the Eros Evolution Show here on Ohm Times Radio and TV. Hello, hello, and welcome to Eros Evolution. This is Martha, your host, and I have with me a guest. Her name is uh, Valentina uh, Tudose. Is a transformational relationship coach and clinical hypnotherapist based in Hong Kong. Um, she's passionate about educating and empowering her clients to communicate effectively, learn more about themselves, and to create positive, deep, meaningful relationships with others. So in her coaching and uh, talks, she focuses on uh, teaching communication, relationship and intimacy skills and uh, provides strategies for conflict resolution and emotional management. So her clients will range from teenagers looking for their sense of identity to young adults exploring first relationships, singles of any age looking for real love and couples wanting to enhance their relationship or struggling with lack of intimacy, breakups, or infidelity. She believes educating people of any age on how to love themselves and others is a fundamental aspect of modern life. And so she's often giving uh, lectures around sex, consent, effective communication, and the intricacies of romantic relationships. Uh, she's actually a popular presence in many local, that's uh, Hong Kong, and a global publication. She writes a sex column in Marie Claire magazine, uh, dating and relationship columns in Hong Kong Living and Honey Comers, and is often interviewed in uh, South China Morning Post and uh, various podcasts and RT Hong Kong. So you can find her at uh, The Real Queen Maker on Instagram and also uh, her name, uh, Valentina. Uh, to those so look for her on uh, facebook linkedin so yeah today's uh title is uh, what's love got to do with it so happy valentine's day to everybody and happy valentine's day to valentina happy valentine's day good morning good evening everyone i hope you had an so amazing time if you're already in asia <laughs> yeah so uh so tell me a little bit about the name valentina right because like is it like an offshoot it of is my real name believe it or not yes it is uh, is definitely my real name and um, to me the way i look at it now um obviously when i was born the the job of a relationship coach didn't exist especially because i was born in romania a long time ago <laughs> um so it had nothing to do with this kind of work but i think i was uh, destined to be working uh, in the service of eros <laughs> Yeah, and to be a queen maker. Well, that is that is something that came a little bit later, and um, the the whole uh, nickname, my whole uh, Instagram ID, is really because I specialized in working with women. I'm passionate about helping women um, find the confidence and self love because I've been on this journey of. Uh, discovering how to love myself more. Um, so just to uh, give it uh, a little uh, background, um, I called my company Happy Ever After when I decided to become a coach because I think so much of our ideas about love 
come from fairy tales and Disney movies and all this stuff that is somehow programming us to believe that we should all look for Prince Charming. So I thought, well, yeah, but I don't really want to be a princess. I think even though in the fairy tales, the queens don't have a good name, I think the queen is really the, the ultimate um, expression of a woman's femininity and uh, personality and identity. I'm so sorry about these uh, drilling noises. I live in a building where they've decided to do some improvements. If you can hear it, my apologies. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I don't hear it. Uh, so yes, I love what you're saying about princess and uh, queens and all that because I also went on a journey of uh, really uh, growing myself from this uh, princess entitlement that uh, I myself and I think some of my clients have to uh, really stepping into my, my power and uh, claiming the queen. So the thing about princesses is that they don't have any responsibilities. They just uh, look pretty, enjoy themselves. Uh, that's the perception. And wait for Prince Charming to come and rescue them. Whereas when you're queen, you can be a queen of a castle or you can be a queen of a kingdom. So I choose to believe that uh, I want to have my own kingdom, my own empire, and uh, to create a legacy. So uh, my third book is actually called From Princess to Queen. So for those of you who are interested, you can check it out on Amazon. Uh, so I'm very curious about your journey, uh, your evolution, um, stepping into uh, this uh, role of uh, supporting uh, uh, your clients, uh, especially women. So tell me more about how you got into this. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story um, because this is actually my third career. Um, I first qualified to be uh, a translator and a um, conference interpreter, but I quit that relatively quickly, not because I didn't like what I was doing. I loved it, but somehow the universe guided me into advertising. So I had a career in advertising for almost two decades, which brought me in contact with a lot of people, taught me a lot of things about psychology, about how to connect with people, how to um, really get your message across very much in the space of communication. Uh, and um, I enjoyed it. It made me travel all over the world and so on. So it definitely helped my personal journey of, of becoming uh, more empowered and uh, you know feel good about my feeling good about myself and then at one point um, it was literally in a conversation with my colleagues with my boss that somehow we were very very happy in that moment as a team and someone asked you know what would we all do if we didn't have this job that we love so much and for a very strange reason um I just said, oh, I think I would like to be a relationship coach. And I don't know about the rest of uh, the people that were in that group, but it really shocked me because I was like, whoa, okay, where did that come from? I don't even know if this thing exists. I don't even know if you can be a relationship coach, but it, it felt like a download, if you know what I mean, you know, since this show is about spirituality, it was really like, uh, I, I kind of said the words that um, discovered my, my purpose. Um, there was a little bit of a backstory to that, which may be also uh, funny to share. <clears throat> uh, I moved to Hong Kong at the age of 30. I didn't have a, in fact, I didn't know anybody here. I moved with my boyfriend at the time. And what I noticed about Hong Kong, um, I don't know if this is the case in Singapore or wherever our listeners are, but um Hong Kong is a very transient place. There's always people coming and going. They're, everybody is from somewhere else, at least in you know the kind of uh, expat community that I was planted in when I arrived. And um, I I had this distinct feeling every you know when at 
30-year-old woman together with some other 30-year-olds hang out in bars or restaurants. We, we had a lot of guys coming uh, to chat to us. And all these guys would start the conversation with the rather boring question, where are you from? Which is legitimate. I understand it makes sense in a place that is so cosmopolitan. But it felt lazy to me. It felt really annoying because it's not a really good introduction. If you really... Uh, even now, as from the perspective of someone who's worked with flirting and uh, dating strategies, it's so lame. I still roll my eyes, really, when, when people start off with that. Just because I think if you really want to attract someone's interest, the best way to flirt is not to ask the most obvious question. Sure, I don't look Asian, so obviously I must be from somewhere else, right? Anyway, so this used to annoy me, and I thought... I should, I should have a flirting school. Clearly, these, uh, the population around here is lacking a little bit in terms of flirting skills. And maybe I should just set up a flirting skill, but for many, uh, from a flirting skill school. But for many reasons, um, probably to do with the fact that I wasn't ready for this and the universe kind of redirected me towards going back into advertising, it didn't happen at the time. But um, about 10 years later, the message came loud and clear from the universe that I needed to do this, that this would make me happy. And um, yeah, that's kind of how the journey started. Um, and I think the, the motivation was also to do with the fact that a lot of amazing women that I knew, um, you know, I could see that they felt a little bit like the princess, you know, what I call now the passive powerless princess, the, the person who just sits around uh, with no, no, with a lot of desire for a relationship, but with no uh, action, no, no strategy, no, I'm going to go out there and, and find, you know, something that I want. And what I've noticed now after eight years of doing this job is that this, the pattern that seems to be at play with, uh, with a lot of my clients is they don't actually know exactly what they're looking for. And for me, if you don't know what you're looking for, you're not going to find it. It's impossible to find something that you don't have clarity about. As I say to my clients, look, if, I, if you've never seen a pair of glasses in your whole life and suddenly I asked you, can you help me find my glasses? You could be looking straight at the glasses that were sitting on my nose and you would still not be able to recognize that those were glasses, right? Yes, so I think the same with true love. If you don't really know what true love feels and uh, looks like, it's going to be very hard to to find it. And then, of course, if you're not actually healed and ready and uh, you haven't done the work on yourself, it's going to be hard. So I did a lot of that work on myself so that I can now recognize what is what is love for me and what do I really want in a partner. Mm, that's beautiful. So what is love? If someone who doesn't know uh, what love is, how would you how would you explain it to them? For me, love is actually the biggest lesson we are here to learn. And it, it really is a process of discovering uh, ourselves through others. Uh, I know it sounds very unromantic when I put it that way. <laughs> Um, because I think a lot of people's ideas about love is this magical feeling that we just, 
experience once we find our other half but i really don't believe in that i think yes of course it is an emotion it is it is a bond that we um experience with another person that we are connected to someone else but at the same time i think there is a very um rational part to love uh, we we are essentially interdependent creatures we need to feel loved to feel special to feel chosen to feel like we matter and i think love gives us meaning so finding someone who can see us for who we truly are even though we don't actually know who we truly are is the way to really discover um this whole sense of identity that we have so i don't think there is one love of our life i don't think there is one soulmate i think every person who comes into our life teaches us something very meaningful about life in general and about ourselves yeah that, i agree with you uh for me uh like you said uh growing up i would uh associate love with those goosebump feelings those romantic mystical sensations that you experience with that one special person and uh, then as i grow up then i realized we can have connections with several people and also as i grew older realized that i was um, attracting a lot of toxic dramatic passionate relationships and uh, that by itself wasn't sustainable and it wasn't healthy um so i i call it something along the lines of uh, addiction to drama and uh, mm. we, uh, we we think drama is passion and drama is love when in reality we can reframe that so for me now i think of love as the unconditional uh love that i experienced from my parents they uh, very thanklessly do all the things um acts of service to show me how much they provide and care and love me and a lot of time it's uh, irregardless of what you're feeling. Uh, so I now think uh, love as a decision is a choice and uh, it's very much a commitment. Definitely. So, so what I uh, see with my clients, I'm, I'm sure you see this also with them, is that uh, they say they fall out of love, they're not uh, they, they're not in love with that person anymore, even though they love that person, they're not in love. And uh, so then they think that they are just uh, not meant to be. Suddenly from meant to be is not meant to be. <laughs> so do you have this kind of clients and how do you work with them? A lot, yeah, of course. I think, again, I'm sorry, I think this is uh, something to do with Disney, you know, and the, the mindset that was created around romance and lust as being love. People think that all you need is love, right? All these myths around love, that all you need is love, that love is in the air. Love is indeed in the air, but love is there to teach you a lesson, not to kind of, I don't know, take you to the moon and back. So I think this um, this tendency that we have in our romantic society, like, you know, we live in the era of romanticism, as Alain de Botton says is, and I love his his way of looking at love. Um, the romantics really have uh, <laughs> created all these very uh, interesting, but not very helpful, not very productive ideas and ideals for love. Um, I think you're right. For me, love is the perfect, uh, to, to find happiness in a long-term relationship, you really need to strike the perfect balance between chemistry and compatibility. And the chemistry is something that is given, is this lust and desire that we feel because it's in our genes pretty much. You know, we're biologically programmed to mate. 
to find partners that we become um, physically and emotionally bonded or tied up, attached, right? Um, but we also know that um, in order to this this uh, physiological bond that we experience through chemistry is not meant to be for life. We're not naturally monogamous creatures, not uh, you know in the sense of pair bonding forever. So once that part becomes a little bit diluted and the, the sexual uh, attraction and chemistry becomes uh, less potent uh, on a hormonal level, then what we're left with is the compatibility side. And the compatibility uh, really comes from a combination of values, like seeing the world through a similar lens, so to speak, having the same values, believing in the same things, um, understanding what it is that we need to be happy and being able to communicate those needs and requirements to our partners in a way that sustains the relationship as opposed to destroys the relationship. So it is definitely, um, you know, I think the the idea of a couple is a constant working progress, like a, a project that you have together, like a business almost. But I don't want to, you know, strip it of all the emotional beauty of being in a loving relationship. But you do have to work on it. I think the other myth that I see a lot with my clients is that, oh, now I'm now I'm married, I'm done. Now I don't have to put any effort into it. I just I just cruise for the rest of my life, which is, in my opinion, one of the biggest pitfalls of uh, of this mindset that we have around love, that we don't have to work on it. If we have to work on it, it's not love. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think it comes from that whole um, association of uh, uh, sex should be spontaneous and therefore it should be natural and therefore love should be natural. And so people don't want to put in the work. They don't want to put in the sacrifice. So so I do have a question for you. Like, What, what do you think of people who said like, uh, I had a failed relationship or failed marriage? Is there some other word that we can reframe it so that it's not, it's not like, you know, we say failed as in it's over. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I... I like to reframe the word failure to the word lesson. I like to call, actually, I think last week I did a short video on Instagram about the biggest lesson that I learned from my so-called failed relationships. I actually see these relationships that didn't work as wonderful gifts. And um, for me personally, the biggest lesson that I've learned from those relationships that didn't work was that you really need to say no to those things that you do not want in your life that don't work for you so that you can actually open the door and give yourself the ability to say yes to what you really want. You were talking just a few moments ago about attracting drama and toxicity. Well, I get, I'm guessing, I'm going to take a wild guess here, that until you learn that you needed to put boundaries around those kind of people and those kind of relationships, you were not really able to, to find the kind of partners that work for you. And I also think that uh, when we are um, not confident and still finding ourselves, uh, we're just grateful, you know, for anybody who shows us any attention. So we just take the first person who comes along. Uh, but in my case, uh, I actually married uh, two of my soulmates. They just felt right. They felt like home. Um, but what happened with uh, both instances is that they didn't take accountability for themselves and they really uh, were more interested in uh, blaming people 
and uh, uh, not fulfilling their promises to me and also to themselves. Uh, so it's, it was it was really impossible to work with someone um, and be on that life journey with them if they're not going to take accountability for their own actions. So yeah, despite the attraction, the connection, the past lives that I must have had with them, um, I just couldn't continue in that in those relationships. So I think the lesson there for me um, is we just can't listen to just our heart. We have to also use our mind to make a decision about whether a relationship is working for us exactly and there the the way to for me it's it is also about looking at what gifts that person has given you you know the the gift of self-knowledge you you've become a lot more aware of what you absolutely must have in a relationship for it to function you've you've learned a lesson that just because someone feels right it doesn't mean they're going to be your soulmate for life and that you know you're happily ever after this whole idea that we have can actually happen but it doesn't have to happen with one person you can be happy for your the, your whole life if you learn from these experiences and don't repeat the same uh, patterns. Because I don't like to call them mistakes. To me, the, a mistake yeah. a mis once you if you make a mistake once, that is wonderful. If you look back and learn your lesson, if you keep repeating that mistake, you're you're caught up in a pattern that you you need to break. And when you break that, you you've learned the lesson the harder way because. I think Oprah said this once, you know, the universe keeps giving you the same uh, the same lesson in a different pair of pants. Mm. If you don't learn the lesson. Correct. Life has a way of presenting the same lessons until we learn it. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it. You know, I think the universe knows best what we need. We just need to figure out what the lesson is in every experience. And I'm still learning um, exactly how my previous relationships the successful ones and the so-called fail ones or the ones that ended when they needed to end. Um, it was uh, it was something that really helped me discover different aspects of myself. So I'm very, very grateful to those partners. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I guess moving along to uh, sex, uh, do you think it's possible uh, for couples to uh, be in uh, sexless uh, relationships? What do you see is the role of sex? For me, sex is the relationship glue. It really keeps the connection, the intimacy uh, alive during a relationship. But I think each couple, there isn't such a thing as a normal sex life, in my opinion. Whatever normal means, I don't know. It's it's not something that we can quantify, at least in... I know we can we can look statistically at how often people are having sex in a particular given time, but I don't think that is in any way an indication of their sexual satisfaction or their happiness in their relationship. Knowing from my experience that a lot of women very often engage in sex with their long-term partner because they feel they should, that it's it's kind of a part of the marriage contract and you should have sex with your partner either because you want to keep him happy so that he doesn't stray or because otherwise it's somehow causing you different problems so it's more i think very often sex is used as a strategy to prevent infidelity and not enough uh, a strategy for creating intimacy connection and vulnerability uh, so is it possible to have love and no sex yes 
but is it possible to have a successful, uh, happy, long-term relationship? Maybe, <laughs> I would say. If both partners have a low sex drive and or maybe, you know, they have some sort of illness or issues, um, I think it is possible. However, I would also like to bring into question the definition of sex. I think for many people, and I, I know you see this probably every day of your life, um, at least that's my experience with my clients, people think that sex must be penetration. And if we haven't, actually very often my, my clients who are dating tell me, oh, I went out on a date and I'm so happy that we didn't have sex. We did everything else but we didn't have sex. I'm like, what does everything else mean? Well, you know, we didn't have penetration. I'm like, excuse me, but everything else is sex. <laughs> in, in my opinion, the definition of sex is, is so much broader uh, than simply looking at penis and vagina sex. That's one way of having sex, but it's not definitely by far, by far, by far, not the only way you can have sex. So, um, Actually, I have a lot of clients who are complaining that they haven't had sex for a very long time. And um, my work with them is, of course, you know, go to the doctor, check your hormone levels and all that. But also think about what is your definition of sex? What are your expectations about sex? Discuss with your partner what is an ideal sex life for them? Because we make a lot of assumptions around that. And we look at all these programs in society that says, oh, you have to have penetrative sex three times a week to be normal. I don't want to be normal. Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, you, all the points that you just said. Um, there are people who do view uh, having sex in a relationship as a, a chore, duty, a way to please their partner, to keep their partner, to prevent them from stringing. And uh, I would like to invite them to reframe sex as something that is fun, funny, adventurous, creative, playful, and uh, mutual. Um, when we give away our power. Yeah, when we give away our power and it becomes a uh, for them kind of a thing, then naturally over time, a resentment will build up. And it's, uh, it may start off as a thought and then it becomes an attitude around it. And uh, the body starts to respond in accordance to the way we think and frame sex to be. And uh, we essentially are manifesting our reality. So yeah, body listens to what the mind is telling. And so if you keep thinking of it as something that is uh, laborious, something that is not wanted, a body will start to shut down. So it's really important to see as mutual because a lot of people actually uh, take pride in uh, uh, giving pleasure to their partner. So in order to give, you need to be willing to receive. But if you just see it as something that you are just absorbing, something that you're just tolerating, you're not going to be able to give your partner the kind of uh, uh, the gift of giving that they would love to have. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you um, about the definition of sex as well. Okay, so now we have a bit of a commercial break and I will be right back. Om Times TV Imagine becoming a super influencer Reinvent yourself Invest in your brand And then manifest your success With a robust spheric approach Om Times Media and Broadcasting Offers a unique and multifaceted way To become the spiritual and conscious